Welcome back, listeners. Thank you for joining us tonight in the Creepypasta Book Club, the podcast where we read, analyze, and discuss significant creepypastas, no sleeps, and web horror flash fiction. We are your hosts, Jonah and Wednesday. And today we begin Vox and King Bo. And I'd like to issue a small correction at the start. We normally don't do this, but we have amended the reading to include Things Have Gotten Strange. A poster on 4chan's X-Board, going by the name of Vox, begins experiencing auditory hallucinations, which she connects to the story of her childhood imaginary friend, Bo. Bo was the king of the quiet place, but he got bored of his own dark world and found Vox. Vox's childhood fixation on Bo became disturbing. Strange silences would fill the house, and she would wake up crying from him whispering to her. The visitation stopped as she aged, until tonight, when he appears at her bedside and slithers under the bed. Vox jogs her memories by relating stories about Bo's adventures that she told her mom when she was a child. Bo became king through trickery. He stole the voice of a child and wore his skin. When the old king tried to eat the stolen boy, Bo yanked all the voices out of him and took the power for himself. Bo grew bored, and though he didn't want to harm humans like the evil old king, he was unsatisfied with only taking tiny pieces of their voices. This was how he met Vox, one night when he had snuck into her room to steal her voice. Instead, she convinced him to let her sing for him, and they became playmates. Vox became convinced there was a monster in her closet, and Bo stormed inside to protect her and entered the dark place. He crawled down a long tunnel until he found the beast of the dark place, and they did battle over Vox. Bo narrowly defeated the beast by having his hunters create a massive blanket to swaddle himself in before he dove into the heart of the beast, scattering it. Closet monsters can't attack you while you're under the covers. Bo's intrusions get worse. Vox attempts to contact him, singing to him in her dark apartment. Somewhere nearby, five voices sigh in unison. Vox decides to start seeing a therapist and asks her mom about more Bo stories. The therapist suggests that her hallucinations could be a reaction to trauma or possibly symptoms of a brain tumor. Bo is all white even though the quiet place is dark because he fell in love with the moon. The bad king commanded Bo, as his best hunter, to steal the moon away from the darkness. As he stole into the kingdom of darkness, he had to sell away his gifts one by one to its servants, so they would let him pass. His quickness, and then his strength. When he finally found the moon, chained up and weeping, her light burned away his thoughts, and he found himself unable to save her. She entered his heart and restored all his powers, leaving him faster, stronger, and more brilliant than ever before. When he returned to the quiet place, he tricked the king into letting her go. When he brought her back to the sky, each one kept a piece of the other in their hearts. As Vox got a little older, she began imitating Bo, wanting to become a hunter herself. She would steal little things and hide them in her room. When she was threatened into stopping, Vox began sleepwalking instead. She would end up in places she couldn't have possibly gotten to, and she remembers being guided in her dreams by Bo. One night, her mother caught her crawling around in absolute, unnatural silence. She tried to get Vox to go to bed, and Vox, still sleepwalking, said, "'But don't you want me to hide from them if they try to find me?' Shortly after, Vox lost interest in Bo and no longer wanted to be a hunter, though her mother doesn't know why. But Vox remembers. Her cat Fuzzy once bit her while they were playing, and in retaliation, Bo killed him. Vox says that was the first time she ever hated Bo. 
Fox's friend Chris, the one who helped her search her apartment after she saw Bo, experiences sleep paralysis and crashes at her place in a panic. She tells him all of her recent memories and experiences, and he convinces her to smoke weed about it. She passes out, and Bo visits in her dream. He's almost affectionate with her, calling her by a pet name she'd never shared with anyone, but when she tries to get more information out of him, he begins to ooze and vomit a black substance that transforms into strange beetles. She wakes up. So what do we think? Like, I don't think this would fix me or <laughs> make me worse. It would be some sort of secret third other thing. I can get behind that. Yeah, I'm more than happy to have have a, a, a secret third other thing. That's one of the things that I kept thinking about while reading is <laughs> the way that this taps into like a primal fantasy yeah you know like yeah <laughs> the two big things that I kept thinking about like the stories that I kept comparing it to in my mind as I was reading was one labyrinth I think this mm-hmm. has so much of labyrinth written all over it from Bo's design to the tone like it's so Henson it is like the the classic baking spirit you away sort of deal yes and the other thing that it reminded me of was Cabin Story, because of the way mm-hmm. that we talk about the hollow one. Yeah. <laughs> this is like if Cabin Story was good and also... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like what we wanted Cabin Story to be. Thinking about our commentary on it, reading this, it's like, oh yeah, this is what we were expecting. <laughs> yeah, and like, it hits a lot of like the notes that he... What I like about this is like, there's certain things that happen in it that happen like really soon and really fast. Normally that would be like a detriment to the story. The author doesn't like dangle it as like a, a far goal for a reward if the readers go through a whole long thing. Here's a reward, a scary thing. <laughs> they like keep it and then build the dread and it's a part of the story itself. It's just not like set dressing or like a shiny thing. It's like the story. Yeah, it feels more authentically like this is someone talking about their experiences or their childhood Mm -hmm. yeah so we get like the scary guy we get like bodily fluids and like the dead cat paralysis the dead cat like right away like like how did you read this i read the version that is up on the like creepypasta fandom wiki i did read it with my eyes but I didn't go back. I, the first time I read this, I went to the like archived version of the original mm-hmm. 4chan thread. But I didn't mm-hmm. do that this time. That, that's how I read it this time. Like I've done okay. it before, but like I wanted to do it again because it's been a bit since I've read the, mm-hmm. the archive thing. The person who leaves the header note, I think it adds a really cool like tone to the story. And also, like dull parts? Yeah. Also, do you think that's the OP? The person who is like, hey, I've compiled an archive to this dull parts? Do you think they're the author? I don't think that Dull Parts is Vox. I I think the story was popular enough on 4chan at the time Mm -hmm. that I can imagine some other random person grabbing it and wanting Mm -hmm. to archive and preserve it. Mm -hmm. Also, isn't it wonderful how it's been archived and, like, taken care of? Like, even at the bottom, like, they scratched out the... Yeah, they scratched out, like, a dead link, like, and replaced it with one that works, like... They have consistently, for the last 12 years, been updating as the, like, archive links expire or, like, something goes wrong. Like, 4chan archive 
went down and so they they like re-uploaded all of the stuff to somewhere else like this person has taken care of this story yeah like the love and attention like nurtured it i think that dedication to making sure that it's archived and preserved i i I can see how that would put in your mind like oh this person might have written it but like i'm not sure i necessarily believe i just want to bring it i just want to have it like on the table like what do we think (laughs) Maybe they are. Maybe Doll Parts is actually Vox, and that's why the the archive has been so, like, dedicatedly maintained of the story. Like, no spoilers, because that would just mean that OP isn't dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we will deal with this more in, yeah, put in the it. next episode. It does say at the very top, like, it's, like, it's not a spoiler to say, because it's at the very top of the reading. Oh, yeah. Vox and Bo is not finished, and it will never yeah. be finished. I find that interesting as like a like comparison point between like all four stories that we've done for season two, mm-hmm. right? Like one thing that is definitively finished and not just finished, but like finished and re-edited for mm-hmm. publish. One thing that is definitively finished and will probably never arrive in a publishable format one thing that is still ongoing like unfinished because it is still like the author is still putting out parts and one thing that is unfinished and will never be finished because either the author died in real life or simply stopped writing at a very significant point in the story and like on one hand you can be like oh maybe it's intentional for this story but it doesn't feel like it is the thing like having like the comments and stuff it's like people right away were like hey you should do this this is an awesome story you should go make a book or a movie well first off well it's already an awesome thing that you're currently reading it already exists <laughs> you're, you're experiencing it now this story has obviously taken like you can look at the length of the whole thing we didn't even get to like the halfway point we're going to be covering a lot of material in in the back half it's it's obviously taken a lot of work and there's a lot of pre-planning that seems to have gone into it starting from like these early parts yeah there's some stuff like there's just like a, a throwaway line that has like immense gravity for later that is just like in the first part yeah. just as like an aside yeah. like whoa and in the space where it's, like, interactive, you're on, like, a forum and stuff. Okay, so, you know, X-Board, X-Chan is, like, a nasty place to be online, yeah. usually. Yeah. The commanding presence of the story has everyone sitting, like, crisscross applesauce and asking you, yeah. please continue update. Please! Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's the thing, is that, like, this story is shockingly chaste and gentle for fortune fair right yeah. like <laughs> the other two big export stories that we have talked about like ben drowned and Goatman, and comparing them to this this does not feel anything like either of those two because it is a dark fantasy much more so than it ever is a horror and, like, Goatman and, like, Pen Pal in its own way, they are, like, a part of the place they're in, but, like, in between the two, because, like, it has, like, kind of that casual air that Goatman has, 
while being like fully realized sort of like like it's not like super focused on being just a person posting voice even though like it is the only parts that feel that i'm posting casual tone are when <laughs> she is talking about things that are happening to her in real time like in real life yeah but for the most part like the majority of this story is an anthology of mm -hmm. like children's personal fairy tale material mm -hmm. like that's the thing that sort of captures me and and always has about the story like i i hadn't known about this story for quite a long time you were the person who introduced it to me mm -hmm. and and I'm kept sort of pushing about. me like hey you gotta read this you gotta read this yeah and eventually did i think in like 2018 2017 mm -hmm. something like that i remember you made art for it it, it has this very unique feeling of like even though I read it as an adult like I was in my 20s reading mm -hmm. this for the first time and it gave me the feeling that this was a story that I had read or could have read as yeah, a child like it exists because it reminded me so much of the kinds of stories that I would tell myself as a child like it it is so deeply it it, yeah authentically in the mind of like a morbid little kid who is raised on like a certain kind of fantasy mm -hmm. and like has these ideas floating around mm -hmm. there's this really cool like it's like obviously what you're reading and stuff but it's cool like the way it comes together we can take this stuff at face value but she also presents sort of like uh well, we learn that her mom is really, like, jumps to, like, demons. And, and we get that against sort of, like, the doctor who's, like, no, this is normal child behavior. And sort of, like, <laughs> where this, like, exists in our culture. Where it's, yeah. like, well, yeah, maybe she should have gotten uh, child care. But, like, that's sort of, like, adds to the hysteria of it as well. The problem is fundamentally that we don't have an adequate system to do child mm -hmm. psychology in general yeah. and especially when vox would have been a kid yeah like that didn't exist if this if she was a college student in 2010 i think cause this was posted yeah. she would have been like a child in the 70s question mark no what 80s question mark <laughs> I'm on a literary podcast for creepypasta. I, math isn't my strong stat. Wednesday, if this was being posted in 2010, and yeah. let's say that she is, the, she is somewhere between 18 and 23, right? Okay. As like an undergrad in college. Uh -huh. <laughs> so let, let's subtract one number from, from another. She was born anywhere between like... 87 and 91 let's oh, say yeah. for for like a range of dates like yeah that, that's <laughs> that, that's real that sounds real <laughs> Wednesday you know how old you were in 2010 yeah <laughs> I'm much better at being able to perceive numbers and their accuracy than me <laughs> my experience child therapy was very drawing focused 
So, yeah. like, that she leans, that she leads in with that felt really authentic, like, draw your family, draw what happened to you, okay, we'll leave now. Like, <laughs> like, especially for, like, a baby child. Yeah. But, like, kids just draw stuff. Kids love gross things. They love yeah. fucked up things. It's good <laughs> for them. The, the comment of, I wasn't a, a, a very dark or morbid child at all. Like, yes, you were, because every child mm-hmm. was. Yeah. <laughs> A quick aside, the person who comments first that this should be a book or movie and also Johnny Depp should play Bo, um, later she like, what? <laughs> yeah, hold that anger. She's like, I don't think he was Johnny Depp. I think he was creepy and old and or something of that nature. I, I did not copy paste it down. I, I remember like later in the story, she comments on the fact that like he did not look like a normal yeah. person. Like he looked yeah. scary and fucked up. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Like, hey, he wasn't hot. He was, like, gross. <laughs> yeah, that's what she says. And then this person actually apologizes to her that that was insensitive. Like, how does that happen here? <laughs> oh, my God. She fully is kindergarten teacher to this person. <laughs> and then someone else puts on down there is, like, I think OP's problems would go away if they got dicked down. And I think that encompasses the entire story nicely. <laughs> Such a rude thing to say. Such a such a terrible thing to say to this person who's sharing this this wonderful little story with you. That yeah. ain't on. But like outside of that comment, really, and like kind of like little bits of that tone, no one gets really sort of like horny in a way you'd expect people to be for the story. Like early on, she mentions he's like childlike in nature, mm-hmm. but like. She's exploring this sort of thing this kind of media does where there's like an old monster man and he's like there when you're a child and like it's kind of like implied there's stuff happening there that but other stuff tries to convince you really really hard that he is like a child so it makes it okay whereas we get right away like no it's not okay he was a weird creepy old man in my room. (laughs) I feel like the lack of overt horniness this coming out when it came out and like thinking about it this is a fucking old story this mm-hmm. is pre-goatman this is pre-pen pal like oh my god this is, i didn't really think about that like like, like if this came out in 2010 right because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's when when this was originally yeah. written yeah the the time stamps are all 2010 yeah like when when did even like nest godzilla come out because cause that was one of the original, like, long pastas, right? This is, like, legitimately an internet fairy tale. This is an internet folk tale. I think that's also part of the reason why it has the tone that it does and why it feels so different from other pasta and, like, long pasta is that this was right in the era, like, just after Slender Man, but before the mainstream, like, creepypasta explosion. Vox and Bo first started in January, so it was actually even before... Russian sleep experiment by, like, six months. And so many other, like, major, major entry points for people. So much of what we think of as, like, the creepypasta style and, like, the core signifiers of the genre hadn't been, like, codified yet. We hadn't totally decided what it meant for creepypasta to be creepypasta. So sometimes you could just tell a scary story on the internet or, like, a Mm -hmm. weird story with horror elements... Mm-hmm. the way that this is and it didn't have to sort of conform to the genre sensibility of what creepypasta is and like there are several things that are signifiers 
mm-hmm. of what we would come to understand as the creepypasta style, right? Like, yeah, you know, this is like the mouse too big for his face. Oh my god, you know, c- creepy twisted fingers. Like he's got a Jack like, Skellington thing going on. And like starting it with like, I don't believe in the paranormal. I yeah. use my stats and stuff. But this book does it so well that it feels like everything after it is like a a pale imitation of like the score <laughs> that it is. It came before them all. It's like, oh, you the game was already over. Like you you could not have risen higher to this point. This either was a kind of like Velvet Underground tone creator for a lot of other creators around this time and later. Mm-hmm. Or even though it had its own vision for what it wanted to be in a way that sort of bent the genre expectations that were forming around this time, this person's finger was just, like, on the pulse. Like, knew the the key phrases, yeah. knew the concepts that were going to start ringing with people. I feel like this person just writes really well. Like, they have, like, genuine craft and care to their stuff. <laughs> I had a note about that, because, like, I remember the prose of Vox and Bo not being good. Like, in in my memory, thinking about it, I was like, oh yeah, that was a really interesting, really compelling little story, but it wasn't very well written. And looking back on it, I'm like, oh, it is actually better written than I remember it being. But I still feel like the prose itself is not amazing because it relies so much on that, like, fairy tale for young children tone and I feel like the author was intentionally like trying not to push her range too much but it's like it's passable it's much more readable than some of the stuff that we have read I feel like because it's like in this space in this sort of like early period of like feels like not a form of like they're weak writing they don't understand that this isn't what you would normally do to make this compelling or whatever or like good because like we get her like posting voice and it's like formatting it so it reads like this intentionally and I think Mm -hmm. it's like a part of like the core of the story because we get a lot about things can talk without a voice right fairy tales and like urban legends and like folklore and stuff are like stories that are told about voices and I think it's a story like about stories in that way so she's bringing that kind of like element through I yeah. guess maybe there's, like, ways that could have, like, read better or land better, but, like, uh Like, I guess because she is relating these stories that come from the mind of a child, it is trying to get that tone down, and I think part of it is I just find it excessively twee when it's in this writing style that's trying to evoke, like, fairy tale writing, because it's just really hard to land it without ending up with something kind of, like, limp or saccharine or just, like, annoying. Even, like, as a child, I've always balked a little bit at the tone that authors tend to take with, like, child-directed material. I feel like the best child-directed, like, dark fantasy kind of material is stuff where the prose is almost a little too hard for the reading group, you know? Mm. Like I kind of I kind of agree. Golden Compass, right? Uh yeah. I read as There's... an adult and it's like that is the perfect level. I was obviously like like a higher reading grade than like my peers and stuff, but like there's, like, a kind of, like, child book thing that I always liked and I enjoy now, but that's sort <laughs> of, like, like, Marie Sandex sort of, like, style, where it's, like, uh-huh. very much, like, 
book for babies, but the story is sort of like very serious and like yeah, there's there's a sort of undercurrent to Sendak stuff. Yeah, and I feel like that's sort of like what OP is aiming for here, and it's, yeah, uh, it's something that hits me. I think particularly feel like that underwriting that you're talking about. I think yeah, like that that there is something like serious here going on. Yeah, I feel like. That works for me. I get why. I get why that wouldn't work for you though, because there's a there's a level of whimsy. Where I'm like, okay, pack it in. <laughs> yeah, whimsy level is <laughs> abnormally low. <laughs> I tolerate a little more, a little more whimsy. I like when people try to do sort of like kid core stuff that works. I like <laughs> when people like can get into that space and like draw those things out and understand what like works and what doesn't i really like edward gory too and there's mm-hmm. a lot of like that kind of thing in his works thinking about it i don't hate whimsy it just has to be like no no pinpoint for me because because i recently watched hook for the first time mm-hmm. like a couple of months ago it's kind of infamous for being a movie that like people who grew up watching it love and like they think it's precious and nostalgic but people who watch it for the first time as adults fucking hate it but I enjoyed it. I don't know. I can understand why kids would like it and, and why people get attached to it. Because, like, even though it's, like, a little twee and obnoxious, it's never, like, condescending to the audience with the the whimsy, which is the thing that tends to repulse me. Like, I, I'd never seen it, even though, you know, I, I came up as a, as a homestuck. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I came up watching <laughs> all of the same kinds of movies, Muppety, for, for lack of a better word, movies. Like Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal is a fantasy, but I wouldn't call it whimsical. It's no, a very dour movie. Oh. <laughs> I compare the whimsy, I think, of that to this in my mind a lot. But also Dark yeah. Crystal really, oh, yeah. really scared me. Dark Crystal's really good. Like, that and, like, Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, Bow falls right between in tone. I think it's specifically, like, the way that Vox describes the world's that Bo travels through and inhabits. Like, the idea of these, like, dark, blasted wastelands that still have this feeling of, like, yeah, oh, this is, like, a fantasy that a child has. What a child imagines as a wasteland, a fantasy mm-hmm. wasteland. I, I picture, like, the, the environments of Dark Crystal. That, like, dark sci-fi 80s sort of, like, landscape. You know, because that is what this person, if she is, like, being accurate to her actual age, mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. kind of stuff that she would have grown up with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, like, we have, like, like a net of sort of, like, well, she grew up on this. If she had, like, childhood schizophrenia, this would be, like, built from, like, these fragments of, like, media that enters your brain and stuff. Or even just, like, being, being like, a child with an overactive imagination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be diagnosable. It's just, like, that's just immediately on the table. Like, she brings it up. And yeah. people who are commenting constantly are like, hey, did you get checked out yet? Are you doing that? <laughs> OP. One of the things I really liked, I, I pulled out a line from Bo in the Dark Place. The Beast laughed. Didn't you tell her to hide under the covers? Doesn't she know to go right to sleep? Something about that line really slaps as like a thing mm-hmm. to have in a story about like childhood and like yeah. i can't exactly pinpoint why that line winded me the way that it did it's like it feels good because like it's it's not uncommon to turn mm-hmm. the idea of like 
childhood defenses, like, make them more literal, like the way that Bo uses Mm -hmm. the covers in order to Mm -hmm. defeat the closet monster. Something about specifically the way that the beast says that, that he's aware of the score. Yeah, it creates this really sort of cool, like, world-building biology sort of thing, where, like, these things exist, and they have, like, a, a set of, like, behaviors and, like, that ties into everything else that exists in the world it's cool yeah again it's 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 a little nightmare before christmas isn't it yeah 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 which would have been like if you were this kind of child that that'd be your that'd be your like food pyramid (laughs) oh yeah that'd be that that'd be in the grains section yeah (laughs) (laughs) i feel like like reading it like yeah clay animation would be nice here is sort of like (laughs) death to people on site who are like this should be xyz but like if this was anything like that's the sort of style that would suit it yeah this is this is a um oh fuck who's who's the guy's name he also did Coraline. oh yeah i know who you mean you can put that bitch's n- name in here yeah the, the one that people are like oh i love tim burton movies but they actually love this guy's I mean, movies like tim burton yeah. has nothing to do with it <laughs> yeah his actual art yeah, that guy's style. Like that's how Henry Selleck. Not, like, Henry Selleck. Yeah, Henry no. Selleck. Yeah. No, I think that's no? an actor. No, that's Uh-oh. Tom Selleck. Henry Selleck might be the guy. Uh, Fuck. <laughs> I believed you instinctively. That feels like the right amount of like length to it. Like I know I read his name with my eyes in my life. Yes, it was Henry Selleck. I was right. <laughs> Yay. And I think the other thing about the the thing about the beast stating these rules. Bo's mm-hmm. response is immediately like, well, she shouldn't have to if she doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. He is this representative of freedom in a way that, mm-hmm. like, like she mentions Peter Pan really early on. Mm-hmm. She sees yeah. that. That is essentially the role that he performs mm-hmm. because Peter Pan is also a little fucked up monster child. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, P- Peter Pan is also, like, this escape and this, this danger he is the enemy of growing up, and he is, mm-hmm. like, the spark of imagination that returns to Vox as an adult. Yeah, that definitely throbs throughout. There's some notes that remind me, like, really strongly of, like, the structure of Mother Horse Eyes in that way. What starts off his, on this adventure into the dark is that she's like, I, oh, I can't play today, I'm too scared of the dark. And he gets really angry and then, like, storms off. And, like, then he comes back and has this, like, big hero venture to tell her and he's so tired and weak and he needs her to sing with her he needs her to stay up with him and it's like yeah me when i like get angry at a child and run off and make up a story and come back (laughs) and the moon story is another thing okay so like he tells this moon story and it paints him in like a good light like literally and it's like romantic and like he's such a hero in it it's a really weird sort of tone to be telling a child like obviously children can handle stories like this but it's like you know like he's the one telling it so it's sort of like this is sort of like loaded in that sense and it's like okay so in some cultures creation myths Obviously, a lot of culture, all cultures have, like, multiple tellings of the same story. And in some creation myths, like, the sun and the moon are a duality or, like, embodiments of, like, literal gods and stuff. And some of those, like, tellings of that 
the sun and the moon are like in pursuit of each other and in like stories that in like cultures that have um whether it's through like just like chance or like deliberate cultivating of their own folk history like with the impact of christianity and like some of the stories after like that have like the sun be the pursuer of the moon and the sun is masculine but in like older untouched ones and versions of like have retained a lot of like um a pre-christian element the moon is the one who is like the masculine the man the hunter of the sun and a lot of these stories often involve like the sun and the moon are a couple but one of them cheats and one of them is punished or they're like so like the moon one to me often reads with this really sinister undercurrent not saying that that's like the correct reading just like a perspective like twist on it is that if he does make up the story and come back to her with it he's like making up like a set of rulings for her like oh when you're scared you can do xyz for me and then like after this his behavior start to escalate really sharply yeah like i guess the idea of him telling this child a story about how he totally killed the monster in her closet specifically because he is fighting for her ability to stay up as long as she wants yeah so that he can with him specifically monopolize more of her time yeah yeah he's all like oh i killed an evil king like me when i'm an evil king (laughs) (laughs) like that's, that's something that if the story had been able to continue to its like fullest end I could imagine being a kind of twist in the narrative down the line. Mm -hmm. Like, that seems like something surprised me to have that be part of the story. Because, like, that feels like a natural through line of the kind of character that Bo is. Because Bo is a goblin king. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really nice in the story that doesn't lean in either direction like these are both sort of the like this is me saying like if you were thinking this way this is how it would go yeah but like it reads very sort of like this is what happened yeah and like you're supposed to be in the moment you're also supposed to be like aware she's like retelling childhood memories and childhood stories like her she told her mom and her mom is telling her and now she's telling the internet i also like that this is a believable, like, a very believable age to not remember these stories without it being, mm-hmm. like, a full-on, like, I don't remember my childhood thing, you yeah, know? Full, yeah, full amnesia. You don't remember shit from when you were four, even if you have a really good memory of your childhood, generally. Yeah, like, you might remember, like, snippets, like, vertical slices of your childhood, and that's, like, regular style. And she remembers some things, but not everything. Yeah, like, her mom helps jog her memory bunch. I think it's really interesting she introduces that concept of her mom without calling her her mom until, like, later on. What do you mean? When she first starts talking, she just says her, she. Like, she doesn't say, this is my mom, I'm gonna go ask her. Like, out of nowhere. She doesn't say her mom until the next post. She's like, oh yeah, my mom has all these stories. Like, it's just interesting. Huh. I, I, I didn't even twig that. I don't know why I caught it this time. I don't know what it means for the story or anything. It's just, like, a thing that she does. Bo himself is interesting. Like, he has to be interesting because he is Mm -hmm. the thing that the story turns around, right? Like, the story does not function unless Bo is interesting. But, like, there are some things that I like about him. There's some Mm -hmm. things I don't like. I don't like the whole... Mm -hmm. I mean, 
at, at this point, Smile Too Wide for its face wasn't as played and, uh, out as it would become by the time that I was oh, reading it. I think she does this in a really cool way that manages to make it fresh before, like, it wasn't steel yet, so it was already fresh, but, like, fresher. Yeah, it's, yeah, his jaw is, like, hanging because it doesn't fit his face kind of thing, rather than it being, like, an unnaturally wide smile. But we also know that he's like this because she mentions his eyes first. And I thought that it's really cool that she, like, does it in this way. Like, it introduces to, like, his facial structure, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. be like she's like, I knew he was smiling because of his eyes. Yeah. And, like, at, his, at the edge of the bed. And something about that, that people who try to, like, hit that terror miss, when they just, like, throw in how his mouth is wide or whatever. <laughs> and she's like, the whole of him is off so even something as like innocent as like the crinkle around the eyes smiling is like repulsive yeah because the idea of like smiling with your eyes is like a sign of like humanness like genuine smiles are smiles Mm -hmm. from the eyes so to have this this moment where he is he is smiling from his eyes and it is still like a scary evil thing oh it's so good i also like that his power set is just kind of, like, a thing. It's just, like, taken for granted. Mm-hmm. We don't need to get, like... Stats. Stats? Yeah. Like, he just can do things because he is, like, a nightmare fantasy monster. He is self-evident. He's a fantasy beast. He has stats, and we don't need to spend any time on them. It's like, yeah, he can do that. Okay, moving on. It it, it really lends it to that dark fantasy tone. Yeah, and, like, with his, like, core theme power stuff is, like, the catalyst which gets her to write in the first place so we like yeah forego a lot of like this thing can do this this thing can do that later on it's like yeah he can just do this he's already here his presence is like logical within the, mm-hmm. the story the story's really good guys <laughs> it is pretty solid i think this early part that we've covered is probably the weaker part yeah but like it grounds it really nicely yeah. in a way that I think is sort of like if we put Goatman and Pen Pal on like a, a spectrum, this is like the middle. This is the footch <laughs> of the of the group. Because this is on 4chan and at the time that it was coming out, and like it feels as though the story and Bo himself, like as a design and a character, are kind mm-hmm. of at this awkward crossroads right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because he has to be both this like dark fantasy jareth type character Mm -hmm. but he also has to be creepypasta mascot guy (laughs) yeah oh yeah i think about like how people try to do mascotty stuff now because you know we've talked about it yeah there's there's like no long-running mascots anymore outside of like you know, Slender Mansion creepypasta fandom. We don't mm-hmm. have a modern Jeff the Killer. Unless no. you consider, like, whatever, you know... No, what, they're when like, did, like, Tiki Toby stuff no, start coming out? That was in, like, 2014. Those are, like, regional variations. They don't count as new designs. <laughs> yeah, okay, so so we just have, like, Jeff the Killer and iterations on <laughs> Jeff the Killer. There's Slender Man, the Rake, Smile Dog, Ben Drowned. Yeah. Who else lives in the mansion? Like, we don't have any new additions. We just have, like, Jeff the Killer, Jeff the Killer Part 2, and Girl Jeff the Killer. People are trying so hard. People are trying so hard to, like, make those new additions. And in those attempts of trying, they end up just not, I guess? I don't know. The psychology behind it, but... 
it's really hard to make a mascot take off anymore. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think of what we have. Like, does anybody give a shit about Lily Mad Whip? The culture moves so fast and everything is so consumption oriented and like novelty oriented. The Slender Mansion girlies pretty much are the only people preserving creepypasta mascots anymore. So if they don't like your character, nobody's going to remember you in three years. You can't just make a good character or write a good story if you want to create a mascot with longevity. You need a fandom. I think a huge part of it is that, okay, the thing that makes mascot horror the way that it is, like, like you know, creepypasta fandom, not in terms of, mm-hmm. like, people who like to read creepypasta, I mean creepypasta fandom. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was showing you someone's blog today, I'm not gonna, like, call them out too directly, but this person <laughs> has, has, like, a Jeff the Killer fan blog or whatever, and, like, self-describes as a rape <laughs> slut? Which is an insane... Like, you're 19. Come on. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... it's like, like, edgycore, like, yeah. creepypasta, like, I'm married to Jeff the Killer is what we're talking about when we say creepypasta yeah. fandom. <laughs> yeah, like, people who, are sh- who, people who call these characters creepypastas and, yes. like, actively shipping, like, Masky slash Tim with, like, Jeff the Killer and the Slender Mansion and the Rake is their dog or whatever. Like, like the that thing kind is, they, they, don't call, they don't call him Tim. They usually only call them, like, Masky and Hoodie. Yeah. Because they've yeah. never, like, most of them have not watched Marble Hornets. Yeah. They just know, like, oh, that's the guy from Marble Hornets. Or, like, they've watched season one and then during season two they were like, oh, this is boring, and they drop off. Yeah, so they, like, draw all these little, or they draw a role-player writer, whatever, all these little guys having yaoi moments in the Slender Mansion. And also they are all fucking you. Yeah, they're also, yeah, they're also possessive and jealous of you, and it always ends in, like, a creepypasta casserole. (laughs) And that's the thing about it, right? Because that side of the fandom is generally very girl-driven, where the majority of pasta and no-sleep tends to be very driven by men. Not yeah. entirely, obviously. Like, we have yeah. a lot of, of examples of, like, big-name girl authors, but, like, generally, the thing that is going to make a mascot, like, a long-term successful mm-hmm. mascot is if girls want to fuck him. And that's what Vox yeah. has achieved here. Vox has achieved not only yeah. an interesting monster, but a fuckable monster. Yeah, justice for the story. Because she is writing fantasy, basically, of, like, what yeah. if there was a hot oh. boy monster that wanted to kidnap me? Who's obsessed yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah. And this is a fantasy, like, when you see it, not exclusively, but you tend to see it among, like, young women and girls who like the idea that they can be protected. Especially because, like, we tell girls that they're threatened and they can't protect themselves. Their job is to identify the guy who will do that the best. And a lot of them are going to come to the logical conclusion that this means the seven-foot monster. (laughs) Oh, it's ideal. It's also sort of like... When there are women, girls, whatever, who do write creepypastas, a lot of times they try, they do, like, the sort of masculine story. It's very gender non-conforming, but it ends up being, like, a really nasty time. <laughs> so, like, 
Not that, not that this isn't also not, you know what I'm trying to say. It's sort of like... Baraska, right, is, is what you're thinking of? Yes, I am. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> it's like they, they're writing to appeal to this, this group Yeah, it's, of it's, it's, it's a one of the guys kind of thing. Men authors. Yeah, it's one of the guys. Whereas this is a very sort of like, it's a, you're a lady, a maiden, and you're being whooshed away <laughs> to like the fairy tale, and you're like... And here's, like, Baba Yaga's son or whatever. It's, like, that story. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like, the thing with, like, female comedians. How every female comedian is the crudest and nastiest person that you've ever met. Yeah. Because she, she has to compete with male comics who are not going to take her seriously unless she overdoes it to the yeah. extreme. Yeah, and this is, like, not that. This is, like, yeah. this person. But, like, in her doing that, she in this space and like everyone's like flocked around her in this thread like being really regular (laughs) i mean yeah because there is a universal appeal to some of this stuff like labyrinth isn't just popular like it it has historically been popular with but it's not just popular with girls like there is a universal appeal to the writing that Mm -hmm. women do for women as long as men don't think that it's for women. Yeah. <laughs> it's just trick them. <laughs> you have to feed it, like, medicine. Yeah, it's like, it's wrapped in ham. This is the <laughs> pill. <laughs> Read some Yuri and gain some empathy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Come on, are you serious? Is it doing it again? Yeah. Well, it's being weird. I think all our tech problems are uh, King Bo themed. Like we, okay. Do we want to talk about the tech problems? Yeah. Okay. Let's 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 do a, like a backwards timeline on this, right? Today, okay. Yeah. For some reason, Audacity keeps like having dropouts. Yeah, and you're like not doing anything out of abnormal. Yeah. It, this this doesn't happen. This never happens as often as as it is happening today. Right before recording, Google Docs decided to remove from existence my notes. <laughs> oh no, did you recover them? Yeah, that's what all the typing was earlier. Oh. Okay. <laughs> and then, also your computer fucking died. You needed a Ex- new computer. Yeah. Yeah. I, which would yeah. delay recording, which delayed me even doing the reading for a really long time. <laughs> Yeah, and that all happened, and then before there is stuff. But I think that I think the the area of effect of us approaching the story was hitting <laughs> the previous recording. It it wasn't even like the previous recording. Like that went totally smoothly. It was as I was doing. No, my no, edits. yeah, right, right. Which brings closer to the story. <laughs> as I was doing my edits, like okay, in in the last episode, we said something in the summary about how. <laughs> It, it came to you guys from an Xbox Live recording, which is true, because... I'm so happy that's how the solution was. No Wednesday's idea. audio somehow, as I My was doing audio. the edit, and, like, your audio was fine. When it sent over. When you exported it, when you sent it to me, it was fine. It was perfect. Somehow, at some point, it got corrupted as I was doing the edit. It would not allow me to export it. It would just crash Audacity every single time that I tried to export. So what I had to do... Yeah. I I could not copy it over. I could not do anything. 
So the only way that I could export it, the only way that I could get the audio that I had recorded and Mm -hmm. transport it from one place to another was I had to use, because I have have a a Windows laptop. There's like a thing that's built into (gasps) Microsoft computers where Mm -hmm. there's like an Xbox gaming thing sort of built in. You are the only person, ever since I put that in there, you're the only person who's ever used it. <laughs> and I watched Titan, which is a French movie, mm-hmm. while I was recording it through the, like, I just, I, I, I hit the play button and let it record and run and just, like, record it as a video and... <laughs> audio was playing straight from audacity (laughs) our fucking hustle your hustle (laughs) and that was the only way that i could even get the audio stripped out and then i had even more problems trying to yeah convert the video to an mp3 you had to like fucking like deep computer wizardry (laughs) yeah I, i had i had someone from a server that i'm in Bless this person. This person showed me how to use FFmpeg to yeah. um, nice basically powerful. like run from my computer's console, run it through this program to export. So like now that's a skill that I have, I can do yeah. this. If you know such a situation ever occurs again, I know what to do. But my God, what a difficult situation. So my my resting theories is that Kingbo is real and this is the effects <laughs> is having our technology <laughs> or a witch has cursed us, but either way it just made you more powerful. It is affecting our voices. Wednesday. Yeah. It is. Like the day my computer did that thing where it's it's doing that thing on the ground now. Um <laughs> the... It was it was the last day of our game. Yeah, it was a really long session where I was using my voice and stuff, and then I went to sleep, and then woke up, and the power- Okay, the, su- the succession of events was, my power w- went out, even though it wasn't, like, storming or anything, and it wasn't, like, hot yet, so people weren't using, like, anything, it just, like, was flickering, and then went off, and I'm like, that's weird, and then, like, I woke up, and like, oh no, this isn't bearding anymore, and then my <laughs> light bulb exploded, and I found so that out- your light bulb exploded. I found that out with my foot on the ground. Oh my god, so... Wednesday? I didn't know this. Oh yeah, I forgot to talk about that part. It, it was fine. It, I It didn't, like, it, it just cut. I just had, like, a small cut and then I cleaned it and washed it. Okay. But then, then, then I was pretty sure we've been had by some magical force. <laughs> you guys, Bo is real, I think. <laughs> So watch out. We were talking about how this kind of like feels like the Kimberly story and the hype of it and like yeah. how the Kimberly story has that similar like but at the very end specifically like this is gonna curse you, this is gonna haunt you. And the story does that without the author saying because the author might be dead. <laughs> yeah, there's something alive in the story. <laughs> <laughs> I think because it does tap into that like primal child brain fantasy is is the thing about it that that makes it feel like something from the story is gonna get me <laughs> it doesn't feel like that right away right like it, it it's like a growing weight of a story so you get to the end of like what's there there and it's like oh this is going to haunt me for the rest of my life and it does and it rolls <laughs> it is so unique even to this day 
there's only one other story that I think that even tries to capture the same kind of tone that this has, and it's not good. It's a pretty bad story, Mm -hmm. but it, it also sticks in my brain in the same way. I clean crime scenes in hoarder houses oh, for a living. Yeah, a bad title, really bad title. Wish it uh, was a little snappier. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's one of those very range of like Reddit pastas yeah. that has stupid that names yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that one. I think that sticks in the same sort of way. I've read that one. That was definitely yeah. like a stick. I also think that topic's really interesting together. But I think you might too. obviously you probably do too. <laughs> It tries to go for the same kind of dark fantasy vibe, and mm-hmm. like the the pale guardian has a like yeah. a, is, oh, is, is like if Bo didn't talk, but it's you also like the idea of that. like what if you were loved by like a strange creature kind of I think vibe the basic to it. Human need. <laughs> it's a food pyramid, but also and, like, like the story gets really fucking stupid. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Like, I kind of, I, I did forget about it until you brought it up. We should, like, we compile things that are stupid but influential. <laughs> oh, and sort of the other, like, reference point I thought of. I saw, mm-hmm. as I was doing this reading, or, or, or shortly after I finished the reading, I saw a post about Little Monsters. Oh, Yeah. Which is a movie that I watched a lot as a kid in the same mm-hmm. kind of context. Like, like with the friends that I... I was not exposed to a wide variety of media as a mm-hmm. child until I, like, moved across the country and I made friends mm-hmm. with this this girl and her family. Like, they were my best friends and they were really into... Like Jim Henson, they were really mm-hmm. into Disney That's kind nice. of stuff. They 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 showed me all kinds of stuff. They showed me Birdcage. They showed me Labyrinth. You're like the ideal like viewer friend, like some kid who's never seen any of this. Oh, like <laughs> I've got this stuff on tap now. I'm like yeah. the coolest kid ever. I'm showing you fucking <laughs> everything. And and they showed me Little Monsters. And Little Monsters is a movie that we watched multiple times. And I think I hated it i think that movie mm-hmm. was very upsetting for me in a variety mm-hmm. of ways it is just a really dire really disgusting movie in pretty much every way not just the way that people think of where it's like yeah. oh he pisses in the apple juice no um, not no, that it's, just, it's 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 on the same level of goodies for me i feel like they're both very unpleasant <laughs> movies in ways that i don't think people think about very often goodies has more of like a Little Monsters is worse, I definitely. Like a like, fun kid adventure. Yes. I think you hadn't seen Little Monsters. Huh? I might not have. Maybe I never <laughs> have. Maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. It's, I have it's, to watch um, it now. It's Howie Mandel and he's a blue guy. Oh, oh no, I haven't seen that. What's the one where they find that dead body? Stand By Me? No, is it? No, that's not what I'm thinking of. Never mind. I don't know what you're talking about. I cannot imagine what movie you're thinking of now. That's what, that's what I thought we were talking about, but now I, no, I realize that's not. <laughs> no, this is a Howie Mandel movie where he's like a little blue guy who... Oh, and, no. Because it is about, like, monsters under the bed also uh. is, is the thing. Which is, you know, like, part of what Vox and Bo is about. Yeah, this one had... A fantasy element, which I, uh, 
It was Stand By Me, I don't think. Maybe it was. Maybe I'm confusing these things. <laughs> so much of Little Monsters takes place in this strange, otherworldly boardwalk realm, which is like the monster realm, the place under the bed. And it is lit black and red, oh. and it is just really dire feeling all throughout the movie and 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 i feel like that's the other like mm-hmm. if the the locations in bow are not dark crystal they are little monsters yeah you know okay. you'll have, sh- have to show me this movie you have to show okay. me this movie then yeah we'll, you we'll, see it we'll have to watch it sometime okay i was a weird kid i would watch movies really frequently that i hated or that upset me because I would just get fixated on them. Mm-hmm. The one that I did this with the most was the Mask Two: Son of the Mask. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> really, really bad movie. For anybody who's yeah. seen it, you know what a fucking yeah. terrible movie it is. I think I've seen that one more than the first one, and I don't know why. I've seen it right? a lot. Right? Like what's up with that? Is, like. It's mesmerizing. Like, in this. Like, especially when you're, like, a child. Yeah, yeah, it's mesmerizing in a way that is, like, <laughs> distressing. Yeah. There's, not, there's not, just no reason for it to exist, <laughs> let alone be like that. Yeah, no justification for this movie. <laughs> oh. I think that's what kind of, like, I think it's, like, a Fern Gallia effect as well for me. <laughs> Dreadful movie. I, I'd, I'd only seen Fern Gully as an adult, and man, what a fucking movie. Movie that has no idea where it's going. It's just going somewhere. It's, just, it's taking you along with it. It's like, <laughs> like I, I really expected it to be one of those things. The only way that I learned about Fern Gully was that, like, when I was in middle school, I was pretty into Nostalgia Critic, right? Mm-hmm. That, that was one of his, like, big reviews, was, like, Fern Gully. And so, like, as an adult... In, in my sort of post-nostalgia critic era, when I, like, you know, came to understand that he was a hack and an idiot and knows nothing mm-hmm, about movies, yeah. I, I was sort of under the impression, like, oh, of course, like, the movie's probably not that bad. He's probably, like, exaggerating about how mm-hmm. weird and bad it is. No. No, he's not. He's not exaggerating. It is weird One and bad. One time he's on point, yeah. <laughs> like, and that's, like, a mild, ver- a more mild version of the things we're talking about. <laughs> it's a lot of really similar notes of being weird and bad. And I'm able to look away. Yeah, it is captivating. And also Tim Curry is in it. Being yeah, insanely sexual for, for, for a child's movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much. <laughs> hey, why did they direct him to, to do that? There's a rap about animal testing. <laughs> The main character, like, fully kills herself. What a weird movie. <laughs> really weird movie. I could not look away from it. <laughs> Even though, like, this probably has more in common due to the time period that it was produced. Mm-hmm. And, and the space in which it was produced with the stuff that we covered in season one. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, psychosis and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I do love psychosis, Then yeah. the other stuff that we have covered in yeah. this Season, I can't help, like, mentally comparing all of them. I feel Mm -hmm. like, having read so much of Gas Station at this point, I kind of compare it, like, like the writing I consider to be sort of on the same level as Gas Mm -hmm. Station, but, like, they're they're on the same spectrum 
on the very opposite mm-hmm. ends, right? Yeah, I, f- yeah, I feel that. I agree. Yeah. Like, like, gas station is, like, making up for the author's potential deficiencies with, like, quips and, like, being Whedon-esque and, like, about the the speed at which the thing moves along, where Bo is about, like, gravitas and, like, these childhood ideas. You fill in a lot of the stuff yourself, And, and these think. are both things that are kind of things that the authors are leaning on mm-hmm. in a way to that feels like, like they're not secure in their writing. Versus, like, Pen Pal or Mother Horse Eyes. Oh, yeah. Where they feel so secure in, this one, in their writing. To compare it to Mother Horse Eyes, because I was feeling, like, vibes, like, the mm-hmm. stories have very similar kind of, like, they're about storytelling, they're about sort of, like... Childhood uh, memories. and Childhood memories and, like, disconnect from, like, reality and sort of, like... Like how like like you're saying is like this feels like someone is trying to like stretch and learn how to do these things versus mother horse has like this person already knows how to do it or like has a strong idea of how to do it and mm-hmm. like has has a powerful vision that is compelling mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And I think just like the authenticity also helps with this a lot because people yeah. feel it. And I feel that's I feel that's why everyone has like is, like, calmly sitting down waiting for reading time <laughs> isn't, like, behaving like they normally do in these spaces. Yeah. Versus, like, like, a gas station had people behaving like that, but, like... People kind of misbehave with gas station a little. Yeah, people people misbehave, but it's also a different sort of, like, people who were expecting to read and get involved yeah. in, like, fandom and stuff, versus, like, now you just were, like, mean to people. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, Yeah. Gas Station came out at a very different time. And and in a very different space. I mean, also because, like, you're not supposed to be mean to people on no sleep, which is a fair rule. But, like, yeah, on 4 you were expected to You were expected to. to. Be and the fact really, that people really, really were, really like, bad. <laughs> the fact that people weren't, for the most part. Like, even the worst people who were just, like, regular bad. You know what I mean? Like, like there's just, sort of, like, comments you might see on Tumblr now. <laughs> Comparing it to the way that people were about, um, like, Ben Drowned at the time that it was coming out, yeah. right? Yeah, oh like, my god, people were like, you, Ben Drowned is this huge keystone of, like, creepypasta and horror online everything, and people don't really think about how just nasty, mean people were at the start of this. People were just like, like, okay, can you kill yourself now? Can you stop clogging up the X-board, idiot? Yeah, like, yeah, that's how people talk. Yeah, like, and, and that's how people were to Ben Drowned, one of the seminal fucking works in the genre. And here people are like, finally, something worth reading on this forum. People were like, hey, can you post again? Hey, can you post again? You haven't posted <laughs> in the last 20 minutes, can you post again? Like, that doesn't happen in this space at this time. We just did it. And, but like, it is here. Yeah. I, I, I think because it does have that feeling of, like, a childlike fantasy like these people are reparenting themselves with Vox and bow <laughs> oh it's, it's power well it looks like we're going to wrap it up there for tonight let us know your thoughts on bow give us a like and share us with your friends Next episode, we wrap up Season 2, finishing Vox and King Bo. This has been the Creepypasta Book Club. Thank you, and good night. <laughs>